Do you want some help now, do you? Yeah. <laughs> do you want some help? Yeah, do that. Yeah, do you want some help? in your pocket. It should be done now. Okay. Just put it in your pocket. Everyone sort of didn't do anything inappropriate. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so you want to start a new series on the light this morning. Dave, what are you speaking on? Uh, the light. The light. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> but what, what exactly are you speaking on? Um, well, it's, it's just because I felt like I need to talk about that. Great. Jesus. Jesus is the light. So let's pray, shall we? Father God, we pray as we open up your word as Dave speaks. I pray that each one of us would receive from you this morning. That actually, Lord God, Lord, sometimes it's so easy to think we've heard the Christmas message. But I pray that we would get a different perspective, a different angle, a fresh revelation of how good it is that Jesus was born. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, we're all, we're all set now, yeah? Okay, good, good. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, today, we're going to start a new four-week series, uh, which is entitled uh, The Light. Uh, and uh, we're just then going to run up to Christmas, which is just 24 sleeps away now. 24 sleeps away. Can you know, just three and a half weeks. That's scary, isn't it? It just comes up that quick every year, doesn't it? And it always catches me by surprise. I don't know about anybody else. And, and then suddenly you realize you've got all this stuff to do in a very short period of time, don't you? So there are many references uh, in the Christmas story uh, to the light. And there's obviously lots of physical manifestations of light. So we're going to be looking uh, at some familiar verses uh, from the Bible, which I hope that you will get some inspiration from. Because you know what it's like at Christmas if you've had, you know, many, many years of hearing the same old words, sometimes it can, you know, you can switch off. We say, oh, I've heard that before. But I just hope that you get some new revelation this year at Christmas time about God and what he's doing in the world and what this Christmas time is all about. So let's kick off. I'd like to read to start with Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. It says this. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now I love this image. I don't know about you, I, I, I get this idea there's, a, there's a, some shepherds, they're kind of meandering up the hill, you know, and life's, you know, quite quiet and sedate, and they're pushing the old sheep through, it's dark now, it's getting dark at night, and, you know, they're getting ready to have a sleep at night, and again, just getting ready, and suddenly, out of nowhere, this angel appears. And, and before you know it, the, 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 I mean, they're filled with absolute shock and terror that this angel should appear. That's the first thing. 
And then he delivers the message to them. And as if that wasn't enough, suddenly the whole host of heaven burst with song. All the heavenly hosts start singing along behind the angel. How awesome is that? On the hills, the quiet, sedate hills around Bethlehem and Jerusalem is suddenly lit up with the glory of God. Can you imagine what that must have been like? It says, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Would you, would you not be filled with fear at that sight? But I just love this bit about all oh, the, you know, it's not enough. The angels, the angels excited enough to bring this good news, but it's not enough. The whole of heaven burst forth in this song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, we're not told how long that lasted. It could have lasted 30 seconds. But can you imagine what would have happened straight afterwards? Suddenly, it's all gone. And the, you know, did that really happen? You know, goodness me, that was a good bit of cheese I had last night. You know, it, it's that kind, of, that kind of reaction. Whoa, you know, a, a complete anti-climax afterwards. What that, must that have been like for them? And then they, they, when they gathered their thoughts together, they said to each other, come on, let's go. Let's go. We've got to do something about it. Let's go down to Bethlehem and see uh, the Savior. Of course, that's not the only occasion when we see the glory of the Lord shining. In Matthew 2, we read about this supernatural appearance of a light in the heavens and how what they observed as a star led the wise man to the place where Jesus was. Now, I say that which they observed as a star because it must have been something fairly supernatural because if you and I looked up and saw one of the stars, it would be very hard to determine where that was over, wouldn't it? You know, I know the, um, you know, the people that uh, uh, have traversed the world uh, with their boats and all the rest of it have seen the stars and they are guided by the stars and all the rest of it. I don't quite know how they do that. But they know where they should be and where the stars are in the sky. But to actually pinpoint it over Bethlehem is amazing. It's a supernatural presence of a light which God put there to hail uh, the birth of Jesus. And in uh, Zechariah, sorry, in um, Luke 1, we read about Zechariah prophesying over the birth of John the Baptist. And in verse 78 of that passage in Luke one, it says this, it says, because of the tender mercy of our God, the sunrise shall visit, us, shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So Zachariah here is prophesying over the birth of his own son, but then switches across to Jesus and says, because of God's tender mercy, the sunrise shall visit us. The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. So the manifestation of light characterizes all of these events, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I want to read uh, from John chapter 1. All right? And it says this. I learned this in Sunday school at six years old. I was going to recite it to you without reading it, but I'm not going to because I'm, I'm not sure that I can remember it all now. The first 12 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him 
was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't comprehend it and couldn't overcome it. The true light, taken up from verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. This is an amazing, amazing uh, part of scripture. And actually, I don't know if um, anybody else gets the scripture onto their phone in the morning. Uh, but there's uh, the Bible Gateway sends a, a text to me every day, and this was the one today. I haven't chosen it for that, but this is the one. And it, as I was preparing this morning before I came, it popped up, and I thought, thank you, Lord. It's a confirmation of who you are and what you're doing in this day. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. So here we have this great revelation by the Apostle John, putting Christ the Son at the beginning of time with God the Father in creation. And Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3, says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the sp- I love this bit. I love this bit. It says the Spirit of God hovered over the water. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, oh, let there be light. And there was light. And this is just awesome. Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, all in unity, in creation. Let there be light. And there was light. God just speaks it into existence. And suddenly, the whole opportunity for life as we know it is created. In John 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. These won't be on the screen behind me, okay? That God is light. You know, it says in the Bible that God is love. John 1 verse 5 says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Psalm 27 verse 1, a great encouragement to us very often, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who will I fear? Who will I fear? John 8 verse 12 says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Ezekiel 1, 28 says, As the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And in Revelation 21, 23, we're not quite there yet, but we will be there one day, it says, talking about heaven, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. So throughout the Bible, God is described as this true, eternal light. And I I want you to think for a minute, 
what the properties of light testifies about God and his nature. Now, you know, if you want to just pop that uh, diagram up, Liz, a minute. Don't worry, it's okay. When we, when we shine light up against a wall, this is what we get. Now, because of the light in this room, it's quite difficult to see this, all right? But you've got, light is made up of three primary colours. Do you remember this from your physics lessons at school? Light is made up of three primary colours. If you shone those colours onto a wall, that's what you get in the middle, white. But what happens when you put paints together? What do you get in the middle then of those colours? Dark brown or almost black darkness. And I just find this amazing, you know, it, it testifies of, of, of God's creative power. When he said, let there be light, God is light. And as the light comes, so the three primary colors acting together tell us something of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit working together to create the white light that we see in the middle. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in unity together at creation. And 1 John 5 verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, which is Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Now that's a terrible example of the Trinity, all right? But it's a great example of light, how light is made up of three primary colors. And when you put all those colors together, you get white light, but very different when we try and emulate that ourselves by doing it with paint. Jesus is the light of the world. You can also take that analogy further, you know, by uh, all the, see all the other colors. How many colors are there in total? Seven. The seven colors, which are the seven colors of the rainbow. And you can actually take that analogy further and uh, by looking at the seven colors, the seven spirits of God as chapter three and four of the book of Revelation talk about. So God is always talking through his creation and through what he is doing in the world. I want you to think for a minute, what would it be like without light? If we were in, now, we don't experience that very often, do we? Because even when it's dark for us, there's still light, isn't it? There's always ambient light somewhere. You'd have to be out in the, well, you can't even be out in the country without the, the, the light of the stars or the moon or something. There's some ambient light. But can you imagine what it is like to be in pitch darkness? I've been underground in a slate mine where we had the little lights on our head and we stood on a, a, like a precipice and they switched the lights out and we had to switch all our lights out on our helmets. And I'll tell you what, it's just terrifying. It's absolutely pitch black. You cannot see anything. And there is no ambient light. There is nothing to be able to get your senses around. Can you imagine what it must be like without light? Can you imagine coming to church on Sunday morning there was no light? It's pointless putting the um, things up, isn't it, really? Because uh, nobody could see them. Pointless putting the uh, words up on the screen. It's uh, pointless Penny putting her stuff on the thing to read the music. We wouldn't be able to see her. 
Can you imagine trying to put the chairs out on a Sunday morning in the dark, in the complete pitch dark? Can you imagine trying to get here? Because you wouldn't be driving, that's for sure, would you? How would we navigate this world if we were in pitch darkness? How would we do that? What work would you do? How would you know if you'd done it properly? At least your boss wouldn't be able to see it, would he? How would anybody else know that you've done anything? No reading, no TV, no phones, no ability to travel, no scenery to enjoy, just darkness. If you could build a home in the darkness... Do you imagine if you had a leak? It'd be horrendous, wouldn't it? It's bad enough trying to find a leak now. Can you imagine what it'd be like trying to find a leak in the pitch dark? If it was pitch dark, can you imagine what it would be like without light? You know, without light, photosynthesis would not happen, which makes plants grow. And all plant life on Earth would die within a couple of weeks, which means animals and ourselves would not be able to eat. We would become deficient in vitamins. Uh, It would have a direct effect on our ability to sleep and it would drastically affect our mental health because we rely on the light. Do you know, there's some amazing facts about light. Uh, I I don't know about you, but I I, I did like uh, kind of physics and chemistry and things like that at school because there's lots of things about light which I think is very exciting. Uh, You know this, but there are some amazing things about light which fascinate me. Anybody know, how, how fast does light travel? Yeah, well done. Yeah. 186,000 miles per second. Now that's seven and a half times the circumference of the Earth in a second. Can you imagine the light and whoosh, like that around the... Now, it's sort of fascinating me. Why? Why 186,000 miles per second? Why did God create light at that speed? How did they even know that it goes at that speed in the first place? But let's assume then that that is correct, that light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That would mean that it takes just over eight minutes for the light from the sun to reach us. So if anything happened to the sun... If it happened seven minutes ago, we haven't realized it yet because it takes eight minutes for it to reach us. Do you know the nearest star is supposedly four light years away? Four light years. Light traveling at 186,000 miles per second, it would take it four years to reach our nearest star. So when we look out into space and we look at that particular star, which is four light years away, Do you know what you're seeing? You're seeing that star in the year 2015. You're not seeing it now. Have you ever thought about these things? So when you look out at at the awesomeness of space, what you're seeing is in the past. There are things, there are stars that could be a hundred years old, hundreds of years ago, died, but we're still seeing them because we are still receiving the light from the stars. And something like, when you start to think about all this, it's a little bit mind-blowing, isn't it? 
that there might be stars out there that disappeared hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago, which we're still seeing today when we look in the night sky. That's when we begin to understand the enormity of God and his universe. And how small are we in comparison? So at Christmas then, we celebrate Christ coming to the world to bring light into our darkness. John 3 verse 19 says this. Again, none of these, none of these will be on the screen. It says, and this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And here we see a, a double meaning in that light and darkness represent good and evil. But also evil things tend to be done in the dark. And why is that? Because there's less chance of being caught in the dark. If you're a burglar and you want to go out in, in, in daylight, that's fine. Uh, but it, it's unlikely that it will be as easy as if you went out under uh, night uh, under night time, which is why people, of course, have these um, lights, these uh, security lights in the garden that are always you know, triggered by when the cats and the foxes walk across and all that kind of thing. But this is why people have the light. The light also represents righteousness. And when we get close to the righteousness of God, we feel undone. And we feel ashamed and unworthy, and exposed. And this happened to Peter when he was witnessing one of Jesus' miracles. Can you remember the miracle where uh, Jesus said uh, they, were, they were fishing all night and didn't catch any fish? And Jesus said, just cast your net on the other side. And, and they did. They did. They, they, probably Peter was thinking, I've been a fisherman all my life, Jesus. Don't tell me what to do. This is just ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. But okay, because you say it, we'll do it. And then suddenly you get 153 fish and they, they're trying to pull them in and, and the nets are breaking. And Peter has come close to God here and he's come close to this miracle. And these are the words he says in Luke 5 verse 8. He says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And I think, you know, that is an experience at times of all of us when we come close to the righteousness of God. Depart from me, Lord. I can't cope with this. I'm a sinful person. I can't get close to your righteousness because I know when I'm close to your righteousness, you expose me. I am exposed inside. My sin and my darkness is exposed. Because we know that we're rotten inside, not understanding that, that this is why Jesus came in the first place with his light Light exposes a lot of things, doesn't it? Have you ever sat in a room when the light is trickling through the, the window and you get like a shaft of light? Seen that? What can you see in the shaft of light? Dust. Yeah, not in our house, Sharon, of course, but um, <laughs> it just exposes the tiniest of blemishes. You know, if I was to come, come round now, you know, and... Uh, I was just to um, just have a look 
question, a lady's handbag. Anybody, any ladies' handbags? Anybody want to uh, open their handbag so that I can shine my light in your handbag? No? No, okay. Any reason for that? <laughs> Do you know, I spend quite a lot of my time ferreting around in Sharon's handbag trying to find things. And sometimes I could do with a light. But you know, light exposes, doesn't it, the smallest of blemishes. It, uh, I, I don't know, I've got a light at home, which just a lamp in the corner, and I switch it on at night, and it lights up the wall. And you can see little blemishes in the wall, and it offends me. You, do you know what I mean? Things like, because light brings... And what about those rotten LED lights when you go in the changing rooms? They're unkind, aren't they? They are really unkind. The older you get, they get more unkind, don't they? Goodness me. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it says this, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to give us light, which is righteousness in the sight of God. He is the light. Often we associate light, don't we, with people having seen the light. You know, sometimes they get a new idea, oh, or suddenly they see Christ for the first time, and they've seen the light. And this, this really is an experience uh, often associated with Paul on the road to Damascus. If you remember when Paul was going along, suddenly the light shone out of heaven. He fell off his horse on the ground. And in, in uh, Acts 26, he's talking to King Agrippa, and he's recounting this story to King Agrippa. And he's saying this, he says, then I asked him, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So here, God is giving his light to Paul to deliver to the Gentiles and to anybody. And you know what, folks? That's what God has done for us. He's given us the light, the light to give, and he's given us the ministry to go and deliver this light to other people so that they might see. The Bible also talks about our eyes, our eyes being the light of our body, because obviously light only enters our body through our eyes, doesn't it? And Luke 11, verse 34 says this, it says, your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Strange saying, isn't it? Be careful that the light within you is actually darkness. And this says, be careful about the things that you watch and you see and you involve yourselves in with your eyes because it brings light into your body, into your spirit. Where are we today? Are we in darkness or have we received 
the light of Christ. Liz, if you want to just put up that uh, picture. There is a painting, and I know if you've done the Alpha course, you, you will have seen this. There's a painting uh, which has hung, I don't know if it's still hanging there now, on the wall of St. Paul's Cathedral. And it's by William Holman Hunt. And it's called The Light of the World. And it's Jesus basically standing. Well, it doesn't come out very well, does it? <laughs> it's basically Jesus standing at the door of your heart and knocking. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You'll notice, you probably can't see very well from there, but the door is overgrown on the left-hand side. And that really depicts the state of the human heart. That door's been closed a long time and the, and the weeds and things have grown over it. But Jesus is patiently waiting. You'll also notice there's no handle on the outside. And uh, William Holman Hunt explained that he, he did it just like that because the handle can only be opened from the inside. So you can only let Christ in yourself. You can only let the light of the world in yourself. He is not going to force the door. So Jesus is the light of the world and he offers us freedom from darkness. But it's our choice, isn't it, today? You know, I look around the room today and I see, you know, probably everybody in this room knows Christ. And I guess the sermon was designed for those that don't know Christ in some ways. But, you know, at Christmas time, I just want you to grasp this. I want you to look back over your life and over your experience and ask yourself the question, is Jesus actually the light in my life? Is Jesus everything to me? Jesus offers us freedom from darkness. But it's our choice as to whether we decide to accept the light or reject the light offered to us. But Jesus is patient. He is patient. But there will come a time when the knocking will stop. And when the knocking stops, there is no more hope and no more life. So I would just encourage us all uh, to remember that there's so many people out there as well that need Christ. And it's our message to them which will bring them to this light. We are light bearers. Jesus is the light of the world. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we thank you that you are the light of the world. We thank you, Lord, that you are the light giver. We thank you, Lord God, that when we come close to you, it exposes who we are and it exposes our darkness. For, Lord, that you came into the world to save us from our darkness and to restore us to relationship with you. And we want to thank you, Lord, at this Christmas time. We want to just continue to thank you every single day, every single day leading up to Christmas and after Christmas, every day of our life, just to say, Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you brought light into this world that we might see. We thank you, Lord God, that you, we have seen the light and you've drawn us towards the light. 
And I pray, Lord God, that we would be good stewards of your light when we're speaking to others. I just pray for us here as a fellowship and over this Christmas period and over our carol service. I pray, Lord God, that this series on the light would just capture people's hearts and that the light of your gospel will go into people's hearts and minds and that we will see a change over this Christmas period and we will see souls added to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dave.